Good evening and welcome to the show. Well, today is the sixth anniversary of the death of the man former Prime Minister Tony Abbott once called Australia's greatest ever cartoonist, Bill Leake. If you're having trouble remembering who he was, you might recall him as the man almost every leftist journalist, but I repeat myself, in the country denounced as a racist for having the audacity to publish this in August 2016. It depicted a derelict Indigenous dad forgetting his own son's name. The point of the cartoon was to explain why some, and I say some, not all, Indigenous kids acquire serious antisocial tendencies and wind up in hell holes like the Don Dale Detention Centre in Darwin. But instead, the left misread it as an attack on all Indigenous dads. It was a close call for them. If they'd given Bill's message due credit, they would have had to spend the next week or so arguing why 40 or 50 years of leftists throwing money at some, and I repeat, some Indigenous families to sit around in outback camps drinking and fighting had failed to raise their living standards above that of the poorest villagers in Africa. Instead, they spent the weeks and months after the publication of that cartoon vilifying Bill for his imaginary racism and hauling him before the Press Council and the Human Rights Commission. The pressure of it all got to him, and seven months later, he died of a heart attack. Bill was a great friend of mine, and for three years after his death, I wrote his biography. The Australian publishing industry could not have been less interested in it. Instead, it was generously supported and published by the Institute of Public Affairs and its subscribers, who, unlike the Australian book publishing industry, know a champion of free speech when they see one. It is a measure of how thoroughly the left dominates our cultural landscape that the mud of racism stuck to Bill in the first place and to some extent still remains. Like all humans in this fallen world, Bill was far from perfect. He was an alcoholic, at one stage suffered from serious mental delusions, was at times emotionally unstable, abandoned his family when his two sons were at a tender age, and for a considerable part of his career was, in his own words, a lazy thinker. Bill would have been disgusted with me if I'd left these details out of his biography. But a racist? On the contrary, he was one of the least racist Australians to have ever lived. The way he reserved judgment of anyone, from a prime minister to a truckie sitting next to him at the footy until he'd got to know them, was exemplary. His critics could learn a lot from his generosity of spirit, intellectual curiosity, and gift for friendship. If you want to hear a recording of the biography, Die Laughing, stay tuned. We will be releasing it right here at ADH in the next few weeks, and we're very excited about it. Bill would also have been appalled if I'd used this anniversary to wax nostalgically about him. He wasn't a sentimental person. 
Despite his enormous contribution to post-war Australian culture, there is no monument to him and no gravesite to visit. He chose instead to have his ashes scattered over the estuary in front of his house. Life goes on and fresh challenges emerge. Bill, who was beset by demons for much of his life, knew this better than most of us. So let's use the date instead to see if comedy has managed to climb out of the grave leftists dug for it during the most humorless days of the culture wars. Initially, after Bill's death, things got way worse. A year later, his News Corp colleague at the Herald Sun newspaper, Mark Knight, drew a cartoon about Serena Williams' behaviour at the US Open that year. During the final of that tournament, Williams smashed her racket after losing a point and argued with the umpire, telling him he owed her an apology for attacking her character. You will never, ever, ever be on a court of mine as long as you live, she said. That's one powerful serve you've got there, Serena. Pretty straightforward case of poor sportsmanship, right? Knight's depiction was barely even satire. Sadly, not only were Australians offended, so was every other woke nation. The Washington Post said Knight had used, quote, dehumanizing Jim Crow caricatures in the cartoon. Jim, Jim Crow refers to laws in some states in America that a century ago enforced segregation. Williams, by contrast, was depicted on the court of a world-class sporting event, indulging in one of the most human activities imaginable, a tantrum. Well, if you endured any of this kind of nonsense during the past five years and wondered when common sense and a decent sense of humour might make a comeback, I think your wait might be over. Today, that same newspaper, The Washington Post, repository of some of the most egregiously humorless leftist nonsense of recent times, went off script and published a piece by longtime columnist and Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist George F. Will, saying, quote, The fever of foolishness denoted by the word woke now defies satire. Def now defies satire. It's been defying it for years, mate. Here is Bill himself on March 8, 2017, sadly two days before he died, launching his last book, Trigger Warning, expressing his bewilderment at the absurdity of life at the time. Now, when I, when I met the great Australian cartoonist Bill Mitchell about 34 years ago, he said, mate, a cartoonist only has to be funny once a day, but it's a lot harder than you'd think. <laughs> now, he was right, but he had no idea how much harder it would be for me than it ever was for him. For a start, in order for Bill Mitchell to come up with a cartoon, all he had to do was take a serious political issue, exaggerate it to the point of absurdity, and draw whatever he saw when he got there. But I can't do that because these, the ideas our politicians have these days are utterly ridiculous to start with. <laughs> and if you're starting at the point of absurdity, 
where are you supposed to go from there? The Washington Post is not the only one to realise, better late than never, that wokeness is not only unamusing, it's often ridiculous. Chris Rock, the man who was sensationally slapped on stage at the Oscars by Will Smith last year, has released a Netflix special in which he refers to the incident for the first time. And he doesn't hold back, as comedians customarily did until about five minutes ago. He repeatedly called Smith a biatch, among other unkind, unwoke things. British comedian turned political iconoclast Russell Brand has just been to the United States and appeared on Bill Maher's show, where he thoroughly humiliated fellow guest and MSNB host, MSNBC host John Heilman for being as one-eyed and indebted to corporate paymasters as the Fox network MSNBC hosts habitually demonise. Bill Maher himself is increasingly and sensibly unable to ignore the absurdity of wokeness, saying just this week that wokeness is an eye roll, and proponents of which, quote, love diversity except of ideas. On the other side of the comedy fence, hosts like Jimmy Kimmel and Stephen Colbert are so bitterly left-wing and out of touch these days that they confuse abuse with humour. Leftist British academic Richard Dawkins wrote about his visit to New Zealand, one of the wokest nations on earth, in The Spectator last week, describing the climate of fear that has gripped the universities there and the apparent threat students felt from other people's free speech. He said, quote, who are these cringing little wimps whose safety requires protection against free speech? It's not the kind of language we are accustomed to from leftists. But whoever these cringing little wimps are, they should probably get with the times and catch up with what Chris Rock, Russell Brand and Bill Maher have been saying lately. If you want to see how thin the line is between leftist reality and satire, consider the case of Sam Brinton, the cross-dressing man who was employed by the Biden administration formally to oversee nuclear waste management, but in reality was the glittering symbol of the government's wokeness. When Brinton was caught stealing women's suitcases from airport carousels, Kate, Hudson, Kate Hyde posted the hilarious comment, Sam Brinton's style makes way more sense when you realise he's just wearing whatever he finds in other people's luggage. Well, like Mark Knight's cartoon and Bill's What's His Name Then cartoon, for that matter, this was barely satire. It was more like a wry observation about the irrefutable truth so I guess it's safe to say it's now a lot safer to crack jokes about people who deserve it. Hopefully, even they will start getting the jokes themselves.